American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the freaks come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. Welcome back from the Pink Seats podcast. Jacob Lane, your host, alongside Matt McGavick. It has been uh, a, a couple of weeks since we've spoken here. Um, and Matt, surprisingly, man, there's been a lot of football news that we have missed, but uh, you've been busy. You've been busy, haven't you? Yeah, baseball season, it's, it's in full swing now for better or for worse, but it's it's getting slower, uh, closer to the postseason. But that doesn't mean I don't have time to talk shop when it comes to football, that's for sure. And, and, and I think at Louisville fans, we're all just trying to get away from the scandals right now. It just seems like every time you look up, oh, there's Lord, something don't, else. Don't even on. mention that word. <laughs> Absolutely. But we've got a great episode to try to take away from all that's happened over the last couple of weeks and bring some joy back to the fans uh, here in Louisville. We're going to be joined on this episode by Louisville football's wide receiver coach, Gunter Brewer. We're going to talk shop. Like Max said, we're going to talk football uh, because there is a big game coming up soon, Matt. Not sure if you heard, but Louisville is going to make a road trip down to Atlanta here in about 106 days. Uh, and we want to talk about it. Yeah, I think I know my way around Atlanta. So I, I think I might uh, mosey on down there to check out this uh, quote unquote big game. But all joking aside, yeah, Louisville's, I mean, it's not exactly soon, but it'll it'll get here sooner rather than later. The, the offseason, it tends to slug, but opening day is going to get here sooner than we think. And I can't wait. They've got a high, a high quality opponent in Ole Miss, SEC, Lane Kiffin, high powered offense, as he's always known for. So it's going to be a good one. There's a lot of storylines, no shortage here of, of things with the wide receiver position specifically, which with Coach Brew, that's what we're really going to touch on today. Uh, we're, we're going to find out a little bit about Shy Wirtz and, and what his transition to wide receiver looks like. I, I'm really curious to ask about the competition because you had a guy in Tyler Harrell won some, you know, some spring awards and really kind of showed the, the competition that, um, you know, that these guys are getting a chance to compete for the spots left behind by Dez and Tutu. And speaking of Dez and Tutu, having gotten a chance to talk to Coach Bruce since those guys were drafted, really curious to see how that pans out in terms of what he thinks of fit and how that's going to overall impact recruiting. And then of course, Matt, we're going to touch a little bit about uh, some of the funner things that coach Brew has done the dancing video. You know, I haven't been able to stop talking about that. <laughs> we're going to find out where coach Brew likes to spend his time off the field. And without further ado, let's bring him in. We're nearly 100 days out from the beginning of the 2021 Louisville football season, Matt. We have been talking about for the beginning of the season now for what feels like forever, but we're almost there. To get prepared for that and to talk a little bit about Louisville football, we are joined by a great guest. I'm really excited for today's episode. Proud to welcome in Gunter Brewer, Louisville's wide receiver coach. Coach Brewer, how are you? Hey, if I was any better, I'd be you too. That's what I love to hear right there. <laughs> tell me tell me what life's like for you the last couple of months, man. When spring practice kicked off, you guys have been staying busy, I'm sure. But but how is, how's everything treating you? Well, it's been treating us really well just to have spring practice and to finish it. You know, last year we got started and got more days in than most people did. We got halfway through until uh, 
spring break happened and I remember coach Sack calling the team up and said, Hey, look, man, there's some, something going on out there. It's uh, some kind of virus, some kind of something. So be careful. We don't know what's going to happen with it. And, you know, two or three months later, the guys return back to campus. We don't see them. You know, it, it was just the pandemic. It was wild. So this year we said, well, Hey, let's be smarter than the average bear. Coach went back to his normal routine. We moved spring practice up quite a bit uh, early. And so that way, if something did happen, then uh, maybe we'd be in front of it. And, of course, we're very lucky that we, we fought through it. And our university has been outstanding on supporting us, uh, you know, through the pandemic. We've been testing and we've been real lucky with our, our kids. So just to have it, I'm looking forward to getting the kids back on campus. They come in uh, on Sunday. So we'll have a little team meeting, get after it, and then back into workouts. Uh, you talk a little bit about spring and just preparing for this, you know, this season that will kind of be, you know, hopefully back to normal compared to at least to last year. But as far as you go as a coach and your guys at the receiver position, what's the biggest challenge you guys face as a group during the 2021 season? Obviously losing Dez and Tutu is, is kind of the big storyline. But for you, what's what, what's the biggest challenge that you guys have entering the season? Well, for us, it's, it's guys that have a lot of talent that are young and them just getting game experience and you know we jump right from uh from our last game to jumping into playing Ole Miss in Atlanta in a great atmosphere at Mercedes that that will be rocking it'll be wild so those guys will be amped up and it really be their first experience in and having to be counted on and a reverse role where you're kind of hey I'm I can play but I'm not necessarily the guy now you're the guy you're that dude that uh, when those gates open, those horses got to be rolling, man. You, there is no, hey, I'm a freshman. Hey, this is my first time. No no one cares. You, you either go get it or someone else will get it. So that's our experience is finding out who's going to be able to be those guys and play in the, those big-time games. And you've had a lot of receiving rooms, I'm sure, with a lot of different makeups and a lot of variables at play. But for this year, obviously, losing Dez and Tutu, you go from having two go-to receivers, very clear-cut, to now trying to figure out who those next uh, you know, crop of players are. What's the room like, and, and, and how do you kind of prepare for that when you're trying to groom the next go-to guy? Well, to be honest, it actually helps the room because they know, I mean, when you're in there and you're sitting there with Tutu and, and Dez who proved themselves, that you know that the game plan is going to be more geared towards them and you get your balls where you can. So now it's like everybody's competing. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. So in that case, those guys are getting it every day, competing against each other. They know that I can be that dude if uh, if I go out and prove it. So between spring ball and fall camp, we've got some new faces and some new places, and it's, it's all up uh, for grabs. So go get it. So one of the guys that's uh, competing to be said go-to guy is a newcomer, Shy Works, coming from a very successful career at Georgia Southern as a quarterback. But he made the tr- he's making the transition to wide receiver, as we all know. And based on what we heard in the spring, it seems like he's making the transition a lot uh, a lot better than many sort of anticipated. So uh, what exactly does uh, Shy Works bring to the table for this upcoming season? And uh, as a two-part question, can you kind of compare him to a player that you've coached previously? Well, you know, it's kind of unusual because I was at North Carolina at that time when Shy was coming out, and we recruited and offered him as a slot receiver. Uh, Clemson, a few others, some people recruited him as a defensive back, and he wanted to play quarterback, which I don't blame him. He had a great career doing that. But he knows his future is probably at another position or at least a slash like uh, like the quarterback athlete at, at the Saints who wants to be classified probably just as a quarterback. But 
in that case, he's had a great spring transition and back to receiver. And um, I don't know. I have to kind of look back, see what I kind of compare him to because he's bigger than a Ryan Switzer, but he's got that body quickness, that type of uh, make you miss ability. You know, he's been running the option. But the biggest thing, he's a great teammate. He's fit in well with our room. Last thing you want to do, you know, it's the world of transfers right now, as y'all know, between basketball and football, the transfer portal potty, as I put it, uh, you know, is just full. It's overflowing. You know, there's 3,000 kids and there's 300 scholarships. So, I mean, where is it going to go? So no one knows. It sounds good until you get into it. And But there there are some kids, in his case, like grad, grad transfers and some other guys for the right reasons. So I think he's a great fit in the room. He'll be a slot receiver for us. Uh, he could be a wildcat quarterback. We could put two quarterbacks in there at the same time, obviously. So we're, we'll have some things up our sleeve to, to utilize his talent. But he was definitely a great addition for our crew. So this this isn't your first rodeo. You did it with Tutu Atwell the last couple of years. You did it with Braden Smith. And who who are some other guys that you've helped to do that in your long collegiate career? And how do you help them in the, in a way that leads to high-level production as a receiver on the field? Probably be the, one of the better ones I had was, was Switzer, who was a running back in high school. Uh, every now and then they took out and put in the backfield. And of course, he's transitioned well in the NFL and uh, had a great college career as a slot receiver. So he's one of those guys that I would say he's probably had the best career so far at that way. But a lot of them back in high school, you put your best best athlete where you can get in the ball, especially now you just direct snap it uh, as opposed to, you know, when I played and it wasn't face mask on the helmet where – it was a forward pass was just like something, you know, that was, that was a trick play back in the day, you know? So these guys now are easy to get the ball to speed sweeps guys like two, two, you know, I mean, you find ways to get them, getting the ball easily. And, and shy will be that way for us along with some of the other guys that have always played multiple positions. So he, along with a few others, I'm looking forward to Braden. They can throw the ball, they can run it. So we're looking forward to using them in multiple ways. Absolutely. One of the things I, I took away from spring and seeing some of the stuff that you guys released and just what you talked about, uh, specifically with Tyler Harrell being one of the, you know, one of the guys who really shined in spring. Um, and, and what that told me was that you guys really have an open competition at that position for a guy like him, who's really been, you know, buried on the depth chart the last couple of years and hasn't seen the field much to be able to come out and have a, you know, the opportunity and the reps to be able to, to win an award and kind of, you know, get that type of achievement. How do you personally, as a wide receiver coach, go about creating such strong competition, uh, especially in a season like this, where your top two spots are open? Well, I think you, you, that's a great question. First of all, I think you've got to create that competition, but you also got to find spots where guys can fit in, get in where you fit in. And he's a guy that can lift the lid or take the top off, whatever you want to say. He's got, uh, a lot of speed. I think he's one of the fastest guys we have on the team. We had a little pro day event. Uh, our strength coach, Mike, did a tremendous job before they left of creating that after watching Daz and some of the other guys in a real pro day that we had our own pro day. And I think he was, you know, sub four, four, two and handheld and, and four, two and laser. So, you know, he can be a deep threat guy. Now you still got to catch it. Doesn't matter. You don't get points just for being open. So you still got to make the shot and catch the ball, which he's done much better job with. But trying to find them a niche, everybody a role. So uh, we'll be better at playing probably more guys than you've seen before. So you make sure you have your program and know your numbers because mm-hmm. there'll be some number changes now, and you know be some guys that are fitting in which you hadn't heard of before. But that's okay. It's their time. Uh, like little brother steps up and becomes the big brother now. So we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, you you got us last year with the Josh Johnson zero at the end of the year. Nobody knew who it was in that final game trying to figure <laughs> out number zero. Yeah, we, right. we were scrambling in the press box trying to figure <laughs> who out who is that was. Number zero. Yeah, the whole everybody in the in the city of Louisville was trying to figure that out. Yeah, it's so glad to see JJ back uh, somewhat healthy. You know, uh, he's back to his old self, and you know, just he's battled through multiple injuries and he's a slash guy, you know, he was a great baseball player and got great hand-eye coordination and play a multitude of spots and, and we'll be like a Swiss army knife for us. I think he'll fit in at different spots and yeah, we may just change, keep changing his numbers. I told him he looked good in zero, he looked faster, you know? Yeah. He that's did. all that he matters. Right? Did. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Right. So obviously, um, once this past season ended, there was, uh, for the first time in Satterfield's tenure here, there was a significant amount of coaching turnover and whatnot, including uh, Dwayne Ledford, who left for the NFL to be the offensive line coach for the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, following that, when he started to bring in more assistance, Satterfield said that the entire, instead of designated an, designating an offensive coordinator, the entire offensive staff would sort of collaborate and work together on play calling. So how do you see the assistance coaching positions evolve now that there is no true quote unquote offensive coordinator? Well, it's, it's been really unique and it's also great to see where people work together. You know, we've added our offensive line coach, Jack Bignell, who has extensive NFL experience, also head coaching, uh, also position. So he's got a great demeanor and everybody in the room gets along and really works well together. We did the same way with the, with the previous staff, the members that were here. That's the great thing about working for Coach Sad is you have to be a good team member to be on this team, that everybody has to get along and put your egos in your pocket because when we get in there, we talk ball, we, you know, it's a family atmosphere. So everybody knows their role and everybody's kind of assigned different things. Each of us take a lead when we're asked to uh, and Sad leads us. I mean, he's the play caller. He's always the offensive coordinator. Someone may, may or may not have it in title, but that doesn't bother anybody in the room. We've got young, we've got old, we got a good mix of coaches. So we're looking forward to some of the new guys bringing some different things to it. And uh, as far as how it works, same way as always worked. I mean, we, we get along and everybody has a piece of the game plan. I think that's what he he's meaning by that. As we section it off, uh, y'all two may ask different questions in an interview, just like us may have different parts of the game plan, either pass responsibility or, some people have the run game. Some people have blitz. You know, we break it up that way, and then they go to it. And just a quick follow-up, does your role change at all, or is it pretty much the same as usual? Uh, it's just changed a little bit. I mean, nothing drastic. Like I said, uh, I'm one of the uh, older guys or longer in the two, so I've been around long enough to know you know, how things work. And I've been an offensive coordinator, been a head coach, and been around it a long time. So he asked me to do certain things that, that's, that's good. And uh, he'll ask some other guys to do certain things that they may be better at. So, uh, you know, just kind of I'm there for whatever. One of the things I've learned about you and your, and your three-year tenure here now going on four years, which is crazy to believe that you guys have been here for that long. But, um, you know, you guys have been here for a while. And one of the things I've learned is that you're, you're a great relationship builder, whether it be with the fans, whether it be with your players. It's, cl- it's pretty clear if you watch, you know, Louisville football on the field that they, the guys love you and you, they, you genuinely love them and you love coaching. Everybody's extremely excited to be there and be together. Um, and as I, as I ask people who have played for you or have been around you, they, they tell me stories about how you um, build these such strong relationships that last over time, you know, whether it be five years, 15 years. Uh, how, how have you gone about building such strong relationship with your players throughout all the years of coaching? Well, I think one thing you learn that, the, you know, they don't work for you. You work for them. And then 
when you get a good relationship, you work together. So in, in building their career, like I'm successful if they're successful. So it's, it's not a dictatorship. It's not something that, yeah, you have to have a boss and somebody's got to make a final decision. But as you work together in building that and understanding that part of it, and you can be old, you can be young, you can be black, you can be white. It's irrelevant. You're all playing for the same goal of winning and making that person better. And as I said before, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. The guy behind me on my screen is, you know, great players make coaches great, not because they play great. That's a, that's a, everybody figure that's captain obvious, right? I mean, you know, shoot, who can't figure that out, but what's going to make them better? You know, how do you take a great player and make him even better? So you got to find different drills, different skills. You have to really work them harder because goats, man, the goats, they, they can do the things that they just come out good. So what makes them great? And I think uh, they respect that. And I think that's a big thing in any relationship. You respect each other. Doesn't mean you don't have arguments, you know, the crazy uncle Eddie and your family Doesn't mean you go there and, you know, but there's something about crazy uncle Eddie you enjoy and you like. So everybody's <laughs> got to have a role in the family. And once they understand that and know where they are and being transparent, be honest, you know, be truthful. I think those guys like that. So that's kind of what I built my stuff on. I can tell that you're a guy who is not afraid to to be goofy and just be genuinely yourself. And I, I have to ask you about the video, uh, the dancing video from the parking garage. I don't I don't know if you remember this, but back in I think it's November, December last year, you and the receiver guys. I'm guessing that's a parking garage. I'm not 100 percent sure, but the, the video is tremendous, and we'll, we'll retweet it so everybody can see what I'm talking about. But if you remember what I'm talking about specifically, how do, how does that happen? Like, how do you find yourself in these situations where the players are teaching you these dance moves, and you're just you're just right there along with them, like just another one of the guys? Oh, absolutely. That was the gritty, and I was uh, Dez. Is on, I'm not on I'm not on TikTok, but uh, I'm on every other one. It seems like I just don't know if I have enough time in a day. Uh, you know, so I said, you know, all these guys are doing this dance. So what do y'all, what do y'all call it? That's the gritty coach. I said, so he said, come on, coach, be in my video. We're going to put this on TikTok. I said, all right, well, teach me how to do it. So I was as close as I could get with a, uh, five second demo. Uh, my daughter and son said I did okay. I didn't embarrass them too bad. So, uh, I'll live with it, you know? Oh my gosh, that that's fantastic! I love it. You right, probably so now you got to get Matt out there though. That's the next thing is teaching Matt the gritty. That's that's the next thing for you, go. coach. I, I'm just, Let's see may, we maybe if I get a, a few drinks in me at Downs after dark, maybe we'll make <laughs> make it work there. Hey, no quote. We'll get you on the YouTube or get you on TikTok <laughs> after you've had a few. We'll see you out there. Well, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And uh, kind of going back to the team, you, obviously you've got a couple newcomers coming in, and Amari Huggins, Ruth, and Demetrius Cannon, and both seem like they could have the potential to make some somewhat significant noise in, in year one. What exactly are, are these two going to bring to this offense this season? Well, with uh, Amari, he's got a lot of speed. He ran four, four flat for us at the pro day. He's put on already like 15 pounds. Uh, just learning the offense is the biggest thing. You know, those kids went through a pandemic year where they were, you can imagine what a high school zoom meeting would be like as opposed to college or pro you know, just not having the iPads, not having the equipment. So they had to suffer through that. And I just couldn't imagine on again, off again, whether you're playing or not. So the mental, that, that was tough on those guys. Him learning the offense has been great that he was here this spring. He's quick. He's fast. He can play uh, Z a little bit. We look for him to play in the slot, you know, kind of a 2-2 type guy, speed sweep guy. But he's got some other abilities. So I think special teams. I see him uh, contributing quite a bit at different roles, really, uh, until 
he transitions into a bigger role. Uh, start with small bites and then let him go to the whole enchilada a little bit later. With uh, with Cannon, you know, he's a bigger guy, more physical. Uh, we see him as an outside guy being the contributor in the special teams and then kind of fighting for some for some spots there a little bit as the season goes on. So we'll see. You still get the four games where you can redshirt. Hopefully there won't be any more COVID. But uh, so we, we're going to interject him where we can. You know, both those guys, they want to play, got a great attitude. We'll find out what they can do when the lights are on. Let's transition or switch gears here a little bit. Talk about the NFL draft. It was just a couple of weeks ago. You got two guys who uh, were picked and uh, both found really good spots. I think, tell me what you think about Tutu and the Los Angeles Rams and how you see him fitting in, in that offense with Sean McVay and then uh, Des down in, in Nashville with coach Vrabel and that, that run heavy offense. I think Tutu found a really good landing spot. Actually both did, but in Tutu's case, he's more eclectic. Uh, so, I think there's certain offenses, Kansas City Chiefs, you know, people are going to reuse the motion, use the squeeze sets, use the the fly sweep, uh, really find ways to use the smaller guys. You know, I don't know if y'all remember the fun bunch or the guys back in the day that was with Marino and you had, those were eclectic type guys. They had a couple at uh, Washington Redskins back way when. So, you know, it's the return of the midgets right now. They're, They're all back in the league. I mean, you look at the draft, you know, the kid that's from Louisville that played at Purdue. I mean, you go through the list of guys that were under 5'10", mm-hmm. you know, under 160 pounds or more in that mode. Everybody's finding those guys, Tyreek Hill, the ability to get deep. I mean, when you can run like Tutu can run, he can stretch the field and get get somewhere really fast. They want those explosive plays. So I think he found a great spot. Uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. But I think he'll be very successful in that style of offense. In Dez's case, you know, he's a complete player. He's a guy that can play on special teams because his size, his arm length, his, uh, his catch radius. He's, he can play in the slot. He's got suddenness. So I think he found a spot. You know, when they give up two or three draft picks or whatever they did and moved up, that tells you something. They saw something in him that was pretty special. So to have two guys go, you know, with teams that they definitely have a shot at making the team, uh, and then fortunately I had two other guys that I recruited and coached for a little while. Coach Galloway was here and, and I was at Carolina and then we flipped after my time in the league. So he coached it, my guys and I coached his guys. It's kind of crazy, but, uh, Deami Brown and we had another kid that I coached and, and recruited. So really I had four guys this year that I was a part of that I really enjoyed that all got drafted in the national football league as receivers. One thing I'm really curious of with you as a as a receivers coach, having that NFL experience, how much does um, when when it comes to you and you pitching wide receivers to come to Louisville, how much do you do you kind of you know talk about how you've been in the NFL and you know what it takes to get there and you really have that ability to prepare receivers for that next step? Uh, is that something that kind of you think sets you apart from other college coaching, uh, you know, college wide receiver coaches? Well, I hope so. I don't know how many have had that experience. I know a few have, and it's, you know, it's really unique. I've always wanted to do that. And then once I did it, I really understood more about really what it was about having a lot of friends and speak to a lot of guys that have coached at that level. But until you've done it and roll out on a Sunday night or, you know, walk into the, to the stadium in a playoff game in New Orleans and uh, get a feel for working with NFL players, the guys that you've seen that are great, uh, for a while it is a different experience so you can relay that to your kids 
and uh, build that build that rapport. But I think it's important for them to know that they got something that's a teacher that can mold them, that can develop them, and really work with them and have that relationship that you were talking about to get them to the next level. If that's something they dream of, and hopefully along the way we get a chance to uh, you know get them a great education, get connected here in Louisville with all the things that are going on, so then they can use that education for uh, a further down the road, you know. Absolutely. So as Jacob mentioned uh, in the intro, we're a little over 100 uh, days away from the season opener down in Atlanta versus Ole Miss. Now, obviously, the game prep's a little bit different for that game than any other game, considering you have over three months versus just a few days. How how much different is the game plan for season openers and kind of pretending to this game specifically? How excited are you guys to uh, potentially play a game uh, that's going to be at max capacity since the Mercedes-Benz Stadium is officially going to be 100% for the next season? Well, it'd definitely be different. And uh, we'll use crowd noise for the first time in a long time to practice because that place would be rocking. As uh, you know, you've talked about it before when Louisville went down. I think it was what was Auburn uh, a while back. So we'll see how that goes. But as far as preparing for it, you got to be careful not to uh, put too much in too early because it gets stale. Uh, you do have your game prep a lot earlier. Like we've, we've watched every one of their games, including their spring game. So you get a lot longer time to prepare for them and kind of dig deep about what, what, what they do and how they do it. But they've got a lot of unanswered things too, where you don't know who's going to be the starting deep tackle or what Juco kid or transfers coming in. So you're trying to find out what the coaches do, but uh, we're way ahead of schedule, obviously on game planning and things of that nature. She gives us a jump on it. But uh, the kids know, I mean, I don't know if you saw the hype video that came out uh, on ESPN with all the different teams that are opening early. Uh, of course, we're in there. It's pretty, it's pretty unique to be a part of that experience. And the kids are excited about it. And to play a, you know, SEC opponent, the last one we played out of Mississippi, we won, beat uh, Mississippi State, you know, so that, that, was, that was good. Hopefully we can take it down. But it's personal to me because, uh, you know, my dad was head coach there for over 10 years. My son went to school there. My wife went to school there. I got a master's from there. My brother played there. Uh, his kids went to school there. We still own a house there. So, you know, I mean, that's a different deal. And our line coach was, you know, Jack was coached down there also. So, uh, you know, anytime you play people you know and you know more about, it, it becomes more of a personal deal than anything else. So hopefully so, I can gloat. So since you guys have already beaten Mississippi State, if you guys do beat Ole Miss, does that mean you guys win the Egg Bowl? Is that how this works? That's yeah. right. That's right. State, state champs. State, state, state champs. champs. I think we'll get a ring, a little bling bling. Right. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, man. Fantastic stuff. All right, let's transition into our last part here. We've got a couple of questions that we've solicited from the fan base that we just want to throw at you. These are more fun than they are football X's and O's. But let's start with this one. I will go your entire career. It doesn't have to be Louisville specific, but which player was the most fun for you to coach in practice, just specifically in practice? Oh, practice. Mm. You're talking about practice? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love practice. it. Practice? Allen Iverson. Come on. Not the game. Uh, yeah, not the game. Oh, uh, you know, Dez was probably the fun, the funnest in practice, most fun in practice. He was so competitive. He wanted to throw the ball. You want to play running back? I mean, he was just always that guy that loved the game. So, Des Bryant was probably one of the most enjoyable practice guys because it didn't matter. He just wanted to roll the ball. Anything but having to go to class and do anything but fall, you know. So, I love that dude, you know. <laughs> go ahead, Matt. 
Oh, you want me to ask? Yeah, go ahead. Go and ahead. the next fan question, what's the main thing uh, that this receiving core has gotten better at or at least more consistent since the end of last season? I think about being more complete players, you know, not just uh, kind of moving their cheese a little bit, getting out of the box. Don't just be a uh, maybe a jump ball catcher or, or, you know, me being a third down move the chains guy, you know, really becoming more complete and understanding the game of ball. Uh, that, that That's what this group has gotten a lot better at is, understanding what it takes to win and be a better player. Uh, I don't know if y'all know this. we got one of the guys that's in now, uh, Jordan Matthews, who played for me at the Eagles, who played at Vanderbilt, great player, nine years in the league. His wife is uh, at the, in the uh, professional soccer player here in town. So he's here training and, uh, you know, just being around him and he's around the facility and he's speaking at our FCA and just – but having a guy like that to, to transition some of these guys – you know, talk to them, real talk about what it's like to play in the league, but watch that guy train and run routes and just be around them. It's pretty neat to have one of your former players, you know, kind of come back and he's, he's looking for a team right now. He was to San Francisco last year, but six three two twenty. 220, you know, dude's a great player and great person. So, uh, you know, being a complete player, I guess that's, that's the biggest thing. You've been in Louisville now for almost four years. What, what's your favorite memory off the football field? Uh, boy, this is quite a few. If I had to take one, um, I'd say the Derby. My first year here uh, was an incredible experience. That's, that's one of my bucket list. In fact, like I said earlier in the interview, I'm going to Downs after dark tonight. And kind of li- I like the ponies. I like anything to do with, with Louisville, really. I just like the city and the town. But that, that, that two minutes is incredible. And then, of course, the controversy on the winter and everything else, a part of it, just being there and watching that and just the experience of the whole Derby. We went Thursday, Friday, Saturday, this year, we went Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, uh, you know, when in Rome, do as Romans do. So try to immerse yourself in the town and the city and the place. And uh, I'm looking forward to maybe Valhalla in the near future of going out and having the the PGA, I think. So it's just, anything like that. But so far, I guess that's been my, my probably coolest experience. And kind of building off of that, what's your favorite local place to eat? Oh, wow. I'm a, I'm a food junkie. So uh, Louisville is a great foodie town. I'm, I'm, I'm checking stuff off my list. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it looks like you haven't missed a meal during COVID either. Uh, <laughs> so I say, love hey, it. <laughs> Me, me and me and you could have a little competition. I, I, I'm all conference when it comes to eating now. I ain't no uh-huh. doubt. I love, I love me some food. Okay, so, okay. Maybe, maybe we can set up a little wing eating competition okay. then. Okay. All right. I'll give you my top wing spot, Daddy Rich's. Let's hear it. So Daddy Rich's is by far my top wing spot so far for like, you know, sauce wings. Okay. You know. So have you eaten there? I don't even know if I've heard of that. I've got to be honest. I, I don't know if I've that? heard of that one either. Oh, see y'all, y'all. Coach Bruce gonna have to take us to the wing spot in our own you're town, man. Right? It's I know. down there by the seafood lady, off of like seven uh, four okay. down, yeah, down that way. So, uh, you know, it's uh, they are famous for. Uh, I guess you'd say they had their own sauce. I'm a, uh, I'm not a huge buffalo sauce guy, so I like the different ones. They have they have quite a quite a bit of good flavors and different things, though. So you need to try Daddy Rich's. That's the okay. spot for wings. I would go there. Uh, you know, the smoke wings. I like uh, 
Mamas. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Yep. That's yeah, the one I was looking for. Yep. Wings, Mamas are pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm digging that. So, you know, I'm, I'm a wing guy, so different ones, you know, you kind of get in there and, and see what, what you like. But uh, you'd have to break it up as far as the uh, the part of foods that you like, whether it's Mexican, whether it's what a barbecue, mm-hmm. whatever. So I'm, uh, I get in it pretty much anything and everything when it comes to food, as you can tell by my my waist size, I guess. <laughs> We all we all got the pandemic pounds. It's all right, you know. Yeah. Some, some more yeah. than others, but but absolutely great stuff, Coach Brew. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. So we're we're looking forward to to hearing from you again leading up to the season, and and best of luck for you guys. Hey, absolutely. I love you guys. I appreciate the support, and let's let's have a lot of fun doing what we love to do. And it'd be great to see this stadium full again and rocking, and just people having a good time. Hopefully, we'll put a great product on the field, but. You know what y'all do with our kids. I appreciate all of that because it's been a, it's been a pull through the pandemic, as you know. And mm-hmm. it'd be good to see mm-hmm. these guys go back out there and compete. We're doing it right, and uh, we're going to see this thing through and hopefully bring some championships here to the Ville. Amen. Freak for hell yeah, man. There, there's no better exit than that.